This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I want to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you know? I managed to stay alive for six and a half. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Wanfield, and we'll see them up with. What you doing down here, you shawnee man? It's the Irish Times Second Captains Football Podcast with Owen, Ken, and Murph. Hello there, Owen. Hey, Owen, how are you? We're just days, I'm not too bad, we're just days away from the new season now, a season during which Cristiano Ronaldo... One thing that will happen this season is Cristiano Ronaldo will score a lot of goals for Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. Something that won't happen, apparently is Cristiano Ronaldo emerging as a socially conscious voice ready to alter the stereotypical view of the modern professional footballer. I'm basing this opinion again on a TV interview with CNN Espanol. Uh, Ronaldo yes. did this to promote his new range of headphones. Yeah. He was asked repeatedly. So he's sitting there in a studio in Las Vegas and the presenter is in, in some other place. So it's you know, one, of these, uh, one of these video links. Ronaldo sitting there with his new headphones on eagerly awaiting questions about the headphones. But uh, no, instead, the presenter asked him a series of questions about the crisis at FIFA. He said, look, I have no opinion on that. Nobody talks about that stuff in the dressing room. Mm. The presenter is either genuinely shocked or feigns shock. I refuse to believe that the Real Madrid players aren't constantly on to each other about FIFA's issues and maybe even grander problems in society. So he asked, well, what do you guys talk about? Ronaldo says, music, women, fashion, shoes, bags, jewellery, haircuts. Presenter keeps pressing him and asks him, well, what about Russia? What do you think about Russia having the World Cup in Qatar? Ronaldo pleads. This, as you can see, him sort of pleading with his publicist in a slightly pissed off manner, yeah. uh, slightly off camera as well, as if to say, what's going on here? Uh, and well, not, not just as if to say, he actually says it. He's like, I don't give an F about FIFA. He says, yeah. uh, this is bullshit. And he walks out of there. <laughs> yeah. So that was that. It's, it's weird. I'm not quite sure what to make of it because... Um, you know, the list of stuff that Ronaldo says actually occupy his mind and the minds of the other Real Madrid players is so offensively um, trivial that you honestly would really... Is that really... Is he serious when he says that? Or is he giving a, a kind of a slightly sarcastic answer? Because these things, if this, is what, if this is what he's saying, this bunch of, you know, grown men 
spend their time talking about. This is what's foremost in their minds. Which one do you think is the most egregious? Bags. <laughs> I, I would have thought jewellery, but... Uh, you know, jewellery. These are guys with a lot of money, you know, maybe jewellery. But bags, come on. I suppose they spend a lot of time travelling. You know, at some point it's like, oh, I, you know, I really like that little Samsonite carry-on. No, I, it's, it's Actually, great the you, way that you it, have a very nice... I do. You've good luggage. Look, I do, yeah. I saw the movie Up in the Air. Yeah. Right? Yeah. George Clooney. Yeah, I remember, yeah. It's like, look. Anna Kendrick, yeah. It's all got to fit in the, the bag, you know. And uh, you, you do need that. If you, if you are frequently on the move, you do. Look, I mean, I'm getting sidetracked by this, right? But How much did that put you back? In, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I got it as a birthday present from nice. my dad. Very got nice. My dad to, uh, yeah, got my dad yeah, yeah. to fork out. Did there. you take any other tips from that movie? You know, there's a lot of good stuff on how to beat cues. At yeah, he, he doesn't want a cue behind. Yeah. Is it children? There's a lot of different different rules that he has that he thinks expedites the process of getting through. But of course, an airport, an airport. You know, he's a guy who seems to know. He seems he's the man who seems to have everything, and yet does he even really know his own heart at the end of the day? So has got exceptional luggage though. He does a great, great luggage, great. Uh, you know, uh, uh, superficially, ostensibly, a great setup, mm. but really, there's something missing. Back to Ronaldo. I think you're right. And we'll if Molly the mare, do you, do, there's a character in Animal Farm called Molly the mare. She is a ditzy white mare with lovely ribbons in her uh, hair, who likes eating sugar lumps and doesn't really have much of a brain. She would be embarrassed to admit to only talking about those guys. Now, Ronaldo was, Ronaldo was smirking. He was being sarcastic. I'm sure they do talk about some of those things. Mm. But equally, I, I, I'm sure they talk about some other slightly um, slightly less superficial Probably tax subjects rates. as well. I bet you tax rates. What he was saying with that answer was, stop asking me about this. What are you ta- I'm, yeah. like, I'm not going to give you any answers in this. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the biggest brands in the world. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to criticise. Ronaldo FIFA. does talk about bladder, definitely. I mean, they, they talk uh, about bladder all the time. Of all, yeah. I'd say Ronaldo talks a lot more about bladder than he's, Leo Messi does, for he's example. He's publicly protested against bladder in a, in a game. But he just wanted to move off that topic. And funnily, uh, it, was, it was interesting it, was one of the, it seemed like one of those cases where maybe himself and the publicist hadn't quite talked it through beforehand because according to the presenter, this interview was agreed uh, on the basis that they were going to talk about all this stuff. They were going to talk about... And I'm amazed if Christian Allen would have agreed in advance to talk plenty about Qatar and all the rest of it and then get into the <laughs> headphones at the very end. Yes, let's talk. Let's talk Qatar. No, I don't... Do I, don't think, I think the publicist probably... A couple of long-distance flights to both Qatar and Russia. How do you intend passing the time on uh, both of those, like, to the, both of those World Cups? Report on sport. Well, I suppose we might as well save it, Ronaldo, because there's another man out there, a man who reminds me a little bit of the George Clooney character in um, in Up in the Air. And George Clooney himself recently got married. Just, you know, adding an extra layer, apparently, of perfection and happiness to a life that already seemed to have it all. Well, it's good to see that he's found love. Um, and so, too, did George Mendes, his... Uh, his real-life counterpart uh, from the character in the movie, George Mendes, got married, apparently, on Sunday in Portugal. The best man was Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> and the gift that has been reported by the Spanish media that Ronaldo gave to George Mendes was a private Greek island. Um, this sounds totally insane, until you realise that actually you can buy these islands... Cheaply enough. I mean, if, if you're somebody as rich as Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah, you know, you're talking about you could you could pick one up for three or four million dollars. He didn't buy Corfu, for example. No, I don't think it was it was a case of you know everyone's going to have to leave Corfu <laughs> now. <laughs> he uh, decided to buy Cyprus. 
You see, the only way out of the internecine political infighting in Cyprus is just buy it. Clear give off. It to George Mendes. <laughs> Clear off now. George, this is George Mendes. I mean, you can... I mean, I, I, was, I was thinking, this is unbelievable. I mean, really? People do this? But yes, um, thanks to the BBC said, you, on privateislandsonline.com, you can find islands for sale for, you know, a couple of million dollars. And indeed you can. Not just in Greece, but in Ireland too. You can buy islands in... Off, off the coast of Ireland. I'm not sure who you're actually buying these islands from. Well, is, which islands are for sale? Um, any, t- any of the good ones? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll take Valencia, please. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see now. Uh, Shore Island. Pick it, pick it up for 825 grand. I mean, it looks like a piece of... To be honest, there's an aerial photograph of it here and it looks like a piece of mould and nagar plate. Uh, it's, I wouldn't say it was... It was uh, full of character this island but you know it could be you know Mannion's Island 150 grand I mean Mannion's Island Where, where's Mannion's Island now Ireland Europe uh, I'd describe, yeah I'm looking at Shore Island here Ken I would describe it as a blank canvas if I was trying to sell it uh, it's a blank exactly. unique uh, fixer up opportunity yeah real fixer up opportunity there <laughs> you, you can I mean this is Mannion's Island is off the west coast uh, as a lot of these islands are mm-hmm. uh, basically a lot of these a lot of the islands that you see off uh, the west coast around uh, so many you wouldn't believe the amount of them that are called like Pig's Island Cow Island Sheep's Island basically they're if they're just grazing fields that happen to be that you happen to have to row out to to graze your animals on that's basically what we're talking about here so I mean uh, there's a lot of a lot of farmers <laughs> listening to this Ken who yeah. are thinking if I can get Cristiano Ronaldo interested do you want to hear what, do you want to hear the blurb they've got for, for the uh, for the Irish islands Yep. Islands for sale in Ireland. In Ireland, it is still possible to purchase a private island with a castle for under a million dollars. Large islands in southern Ireland cost considerably more, but you'll get acres of rolling green hills and unspoiled coastline. Ireland has a lot going for it. Friendly locals, rocky hills, farmland, and afternoons telling tall tales at the local pub. <laughs> the soil and streams are the cleanest in Europe. Although you probably will have to boil any water uh, that you... <laughs> There's probably a boil order for a lot of those areas. Uh, the Irish will often tell you they have all four seasons in a day. Ireland's climate is warmer than most of Europe. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, they're counting, like, Russia up to the Urals. Yeah, Greenland's not in Europe. I mean, yep. yeah, yeah. It's basically the land That is Denmark. Yeah. It's kind of it's Denmark. Uh, but with its high humidity, it closely resembles Seattle. Ireland Island investors can be assured of good quality of life in Ireland. I mean, that's it's it's a different sort of tone from the Greek pitch, which starts off by saying a Greek island is uh, the ultimate status symbol, and maybe that is true. Maybe it is, although a, a kind of sad status symbol at the same time. Imagine owning a private island. What like what would you ultimately a place to go to be completely alone in the world that no one else was even allowed to go. I mean, you hear of people doing it, and Charles Hawley obviously did it. I don't know how much time he's really ultimately spent on that. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Did Richard Branson have one? Tiger Woods, maybe? I don't know. People who get into a stupid degree of wealth sometimes think this would be a good idea. I'd imagine what they do in a lot of cases is maybe not spend much time there at all themselves, no. but use it as a, a means to bestow kindnesses upon their... Uh, their friends and their associates. If the friend the wants to I go, ever, wants to yeah, go on yeah. a holiday, you can. Oh, you can. Why don't you try my? Why don't you go to my island? And Doesn't think, Richard Branson have a place that the only time you ever hear anyone talking about this place is when someone else is staying at Richard Branson's island? Island. Yeah. Tony Blair, Mo Farah. Did Mo Farah <laughs> sure. after the London Olympics? 
Am I completely inventing well, that? So you don't have the only a private island is a place nowhere nowhere wants to live. No man is an island, Owen. I mean, uh, the only people, the only owner occupiers own you hear a bit about these places are always either running some kind of a game in which human beings are hunted, or or presiding over a series of disgusting scientific experiments where they're stitching together p- parts of different creatures to each other. That's the, that's the kind of stuff that happens when people spend too long on a private island. So I just hope that George Mendes doesn't, uh, you know, well, well, I mean, I hope that this gift hasn't even happened, to be honest, because I find it disgusting. <laughs> Double <laughs> Olympic gold medalist Mo Farah risked more than a wet landing when he jumped off a 100-foot rock on Necker Island in the Caribbean, says the Daily Mail from last year. The long-distance runner, who was on the island, owned by Sir Richard Branson, God. posted the video of himself tombstoning onto Facebook. Farrah can be heard giving a little scream as he took the leap of faith, watched by some fellow holidaymakers. He ju- so, my yes, brain scares me Good and me strange sometimes. knowledge there, right? Yeah. <laughs> he jumped off a 100-foot rock into the sea. Yeah. A 100-foot drop into the sea. Mm-hmm. There's a video here. Look, look, look at me alive. You can post up the video, I'm sure, for people afterwards. They're interested in it. It's extremely dangerous. Um... What what Mofar did? Well, that's we why he's being criticised. Irresponsible, he was called. Well, he's in he's he's in pretty good nick, Mofar, as we know. Totally all above board, as the Sunday Times were keen to point out the other day. In the midst of yeah, <laughs> there a massive athletics doping scandal. Uh, just to be sure, clear, Mofar is a okay. Just n- nothing on Mofar in, in in this. Uh, thing. Or Usain Bolt, they said. In fairness, but the the one other thing, I mean, aside from hoping that this didn't happen, is what did Falcao get for George Mendes? Because if Ronaldo is getting him a Greek island. Then Falcao, who, let's not forget, Mendes just got into Chelsea in what must rank as one of his career's greatest ever achievements. What is Falcao going to do to say thank you for that? I mean, it's incredible. The fact that he's playing for Chelsea this season is, is astonishing. George Mendes has done some Mighty fine work for him there. He's moving up and up club-wise. No disrespect to Manchester United fans, but <laughs> I think Chelsea are probably more likely to win the league this year again than Manchester United. Probably. So as his career nosedives in terms of the standard of play on the field, his actual chances of winning I mean, trophies what is did, getting yeah, higher. Ronaldo doesn't owe George Mendes anything. No. You know, it's Falca- if Falcao should be buying that guy in Ireland. Yeah, he should He should be. And if Ronaldo's taking it to, the, to an island, where is... What wiggle room does Falcao actually have? He wasn't even able to go, as far as I know, because he had to go to this stupid Community Ugh. Shield. Ugh. I don't know, maybe he flew out afterwards. Maybe yeah. he got there in time for the, for the party, I don't know. Um, but it seems, it seems harsh. From a purely ma- landmass point of view, he could have bought uh, Mendes like a star. You know, like renamed uh, some sort of giant uh, 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 planetary, a planet or a star of some yeah. kind. Well, that would, you know? I mean, it, it, it is kind of lame, though, at the same time, isn't it? Like, because oh, all you're actually giving the person is a certificate with, like, the, with this claim that their name is now on some, like, a star or an asteroid I'm or something. Just, listen, I'm just Millions trying to think outside like. of a box. We're, 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 we're up against a guy who's bought him an island. Maybe right? he we're should have gone for think. an Irish island, to be honest. Mendes, of course, runs an Irish company. Isn't he Quality Football yeah. Ireland? Yeah, if he can handle the humidity. Based in the IFSC. Yeah. Yeah, he's a tax resident of our jurisdiction <laughs> at times. From time to time, so maybe he would have liked it. Anyway, but he, um, another of his clients, Jose Mourinho, I don't know if he was able to get out to the to the wedding. He was uh, he was also occupied on Sunday with his job. Uh, not that he really dressed for work. Uh, if you saw Mourinho turning up on to the community shield, he was he looked like a complete slob. He hadn't bothered to shave. He was wearing a white t shirt which clung to his paunch, 
And it was all he could do not to sit there eating chicken drumsticks to show his utter contempt for the situation and the game. And Arsene Wenger obviously was there in, his sa- in his, the same outfit that he always wears, um, looking smart enough. And Arsenal won. But Jose Mourinho was so... He was keen to show that none of this, none of this, man, none of this is real. And, uh, um, you know, you could hear what he said afterwards. And we'll talk to Miguel about it. But there was this whole thing. This The most interesting thing about the game was it wasn't a good game. It was a great goal by Oxford Chamberlain, kind of an individual goal. Uh, Chelsea didn't really create anything. Arsenal just didn't want to let in a, an equaliser. So it kind of ended in a... It's fizzled out a little bit, the game. But the uh, afterwards, Mourinho managed to... Um, I don't know whether he was just trying to give people something else to talk about other than how bad his team had been. But he, uh, you know, obviously himself and Arsene Wenger did not shake hands after the, immediately after the game. Wenger disappeared, sort of acknowledged Rio Ferdinand in the tunnel. Rio was there with his microphone. Did you see that? Ace no, reporter that Rio it? Ferdinand, yeah. He's waiting in the tunnel to do the post-match chat. Like, you, you get to do this when you're a, a former, you know, England uh, and Manchester United legendary centre-half as a cub reporter, as Rio is, goes straight straight in at the top level. Uh, Rio, incidentally, is doing a lot of talk. He, he's Manchester United's number one cheerleader in the media now. Mm. That seems to be his, uh, his the angle he's going with. And yet, outside the the Manchester United family, because United do have like Quentin Fortune travels the world as a Manchester United ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but him and Brian Robson and. Uh, it's actually him and Brian Robson nearly all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. If you follow Manchester United on Twitter, you'll just see another great day in Hong Kong as Quinton Fortune meets you know Reds in Hong hashtag Reds in Hong Kong. <laughs> what on earth? <laughs> what on earth is going on? Job. Real that was obviously is, is BT Sport, uh, but he's he's given us a lot of. He's essentially saying, oh, you know, uh, John Stones should join Man United, not Chelsea. Because I support Manchester United. <laughs> Angel Di Maria will always regret leaving Manchester United. And you think, will he? If he goes to PSG and it's a, it's a great success, he'll be delighted to have left Manchester United, surely. He'll be like, well, at least like, things weren't working out there, but at least I got a great move. Can I point you in the general direction of the media career of Dwight York? Again, <laughs> uh, this, this is not entirely without precedent. I think Rio's got a bit more... I'm going to use a football cliche to say he's got a bit more about him than Dwight York, <laughs> mentally speaking. Yeah, I, I think he, I think he's got a, you yeah. know, and he's he, also he also played for Manchester United for a little longer. Than a a Dwight little York. longer. And I would say he had a, a bigger career for Manchester United. We've got totally distracted though talking about Rio. Uh, Why well, was oh because Wenger was there? So anyway, there's no handshake. There never is. Big deal, right? After the after this has happened, they got they're going up to collect their medals and whatnot, and. Uh, Jose Mourinho positions himself at the bottom of the steps where the Arsenal players are coming down. So he's going to ostentatiously shake hands with every Arsenal player until it comes to the, the final person coming down the steps, who's the manager. Well, well, we all know what's going to happen. Now, I actually, I mean, it was, it was a kind of a complicated situation. I posted a video of this saying, you know, that, uh, Mourinho has avoided or he's kind of pirouetted to avoid. And so it was really interesting to see the responses to this because those people were responding. Half of them are saying... GOAT, or like, you know, literally using the acronym GOAT, or putting it, posting a little emoji of a GOAT, uh, or saying, wow, you know, amazing, like, he's just so charismatic, he's so incredible. And the, others, the other half are going, 
you can imagine, it's another four-letter word um, uh, about Jose Mourinho. And, they don't, and lots of people are also saying, well, hang on, Wenger snubs him. But even of the Wenger snubs him group, half of them are going, oh, you know, you're giving Mourinho all the credit. Wenger actually snubbed him. He was never going to shake hands with that. <laughs> you know. But then there was other people saying, oh, you're always trying to have a go at Mourinho. Can't you see that Wenger snubs him as well? And you're thinking, this is unbelievable. You know, there's just, oh, my God, like, I can't. Uh, yeah. The, like, there's so, many, there's, there's so many kind of partisans in facing in different directions all about this one incident, trying to make sense of it. I mean, to me, what's obvious here is that Mourinho, what is Mourinho doing there? That's not a, he said after the game, oh, my, my, status, as a, in my status as a manager, the status of my club, I'm doing what I have to do, which is be there for the winning team to acknowledge them. And you're like, what? You've literally just invented that tradition. No, nobody, is, nobody, nobody does. ever does that. You know, you're doing this deliberately to, to, to push yourself into the, into the camera frame to become a part of what's happening and also to set up this inevitable... Do you think that he thought that Wenger would shake his hand? No, of course he Of course Wenger's not going to shake his hand, but he wanted to position himself there. He, it's like he, he explained to himself, he's like, I was there I was, so that they don't have to go out of their way to see me. In other words, right in their way. Right, they have to step around me to avoid me. Is what he's saying, and he says, and if so, you know, there are, most of the Arsenal players, they just, they just shook my hand. Of course they did. I mean, they didn't even know you were there. They look up and it's like, oh, it's Mourinho. Oh, he's shaking my hand. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, what are they going to do? Wenger's <laughs> right at the end. He's he can see this happening. He's like, oh, you know, look at this. Look what he's doing. God, yeah. Obviously, I'm not going to shake his hand. What, what's going to happen now? You know what I mean? But it's just like, why even create the situation? Mourinho was creating... Uh, to I, make Wenger look bad. To, so that Wenger would get some stick for refusing to shake hands. Mourinho is well aware of how important the handshake is as a custom in English society. Yeah. And he felt that he could maybe get another one over on Arsene Wenger, which I don't think actually worked. It didn't. Uh, it, as, you're say, as you said, it seems to have divided opinion. I mean, it's such a... Well, it's just, in a way, it's, it's a non, being non-story, annoying. but it's... It's just Mourinho being annoying yeah. again. But like you can see that even his... It, uh, to me, it's... it's oh, what is he? This is insufferable. You know, but look, for, to a lot of people, it's like, oh, wow, that's, this is great. Look at, look at this. This is... Oh, you know, he's so charismatic. He doesn't respect the rules. You know, or like, oh, this is funny. You know, loads of people with that emoji crying laughing mm-hmm. face, you know? It's, like, it's not funny. Like It's funny... As long as he, he's kind of disrespecting a ritual, he's showing ostentatious disrespect for like this ritual. But that ritual in itself loses power every time Jose Mourinho disrespects it. Until eventually, you've just got the ritual is Jose, is is what Mourinho has repla- has replaced it with. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm rabbiting on a bit. Are, no, it's all right. Are Arsenal position themselves for a title challenge here, or do you subscribe to the Roy Keane school of criticism? Well, what Keane said was, I mean, and he does. He does sound like a, a bit of an old granddad here, I have to say. I mean, I, I know exactly where he's coming from. But when he says, uh, Arsenal have some good players, some good characters who roll their sleeves up, but they have one or two players who are more interested in selfies and six-packs. Guys who are trying to get their pictures taken every day of the week. Every year we hear the same thing about Arsenal being contenders. Instead of focusing on the Premier League, it's all about how their bodies look, how their hair is, more so than winning football matches. So that's... Um, Keane, who says he thinks Chelsea are the team to beat. There's a nice picture of with the, uh, below the headline on the Guardian here. Arsenal's Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain rejects Roy Keane's selfies criticism 
There's a nice photo here of himself and Sandy Cazorla in the middle of the almightiest selfie. So it's a photograph of them <laughs> taking the selfie, if you know what I mean. So you're actually seeing uh, it from behind the camera as opposed to from behind them. And they're taking a selfie with a monster of a camera. Yeah. This is no iPhone job. No, they're taking it off the photographer. Cazorla's yeah. always doing that. Cazorla actually looks like the guy who famously, his head looked like a thumb in the photograph. Cazorla uh, looks like the man whose head looked like a thumb in this, <laughs> in this photograph of a selfie. But, you know, what's the problem? What's the big deal? Because as, as Alex Oxford-Chambers says, it's a new era, isn't it? Some people do it, some don't. Um, and, the, and the fact is, I mean, he's right. So he, the most notorious practitioner of this, um, of this art, the champion of this new era, is Neymar, who, as far as I can see, is currently a champion of Europe having scored in every knockout game in the Champions League, which nobody, maybe one guy previously had managed to do. Um, he pays a lot of attention to his hair. He's always taking pictures of his own six-pack <laughs> and putting them on Instagram. Uh, but, you know... And his Barcelona teammates. There's plenty of photos of them out and about. Of course. Doing their thing, looking after themselves, appearance-wise. And uh, it's, it's complete nonsense. It's every... It's, it's the thing, uh, which isn't specific to Arsenal, it's generalised across the culture. As cameras improve, the culture becomes more visual. Six-packs have become more important. It used to be that way back then. But, you know, I can think of a, I can think of a picture of Roy Keane sitting there in the, in the changing room. Shirt off with Alex Ferguson in the Premier League trophy. You know the ones, a famous one of them. Mm-hmm. Seems to be all right. Looking in good shape himself. Yep. Looking, looking in pretty good shape. Of course, the the friendship maybe wasn't as deep as everyone thought at the time. You well, know, it's sad I'm to sure see how Keno would argue that that was all that he was manufacturing his body for footballing reasons. Okay, not, course, not yeah. out of vanity. It wasn't out of vanity. At the same time, you know, uh, uh, I don't know how big a deal it is people taking photographs of each other. It's Quick word on Bastian Schweinsteiger, who unfortunately isn't in such good condition, according to his former manager. Well, he's, he may have to do to do a bit of a David Ginola. I remember Ginola when John Gregory said he was carrying a bit of timber <laughs> and he scored for Everton and whipped off his shirt and did one of these, you know, Ronaldo in the 2014 Champions League final type celebrations just to show that he was actually still in good nick. Although he did retire pretty soon after that. Um, Guardiola has said some not very nice things about Bastian Schweinsteiger. He says, um, uh, when he doesn't have injury problems, I'm completely convinced he will do very well at Manchester United. Now, that sounds a bit weird, although the word for when and if in German, if Guardiola is speaking German here, are kind of the same word a lot of the time. So if he's saying, I think he's probably saying if he doesn't get injured. If he stays fit, he will do very well. Because he goes on to say, he's a top, top player. Unfortunately, during the last three years, he was never in good condition. What a crushing thing that is to say about a footballer who's, you know, only 30 um, and <laughs> has just signed for a new club and, you know, is, I assume hoping to do well. Why is Guardiola saying this? The only reason Guardiola is saying this is to cover Guardiola. And that's bad. That's really bad. Guardiola is saying this because he's... Ba- he's ba- what he was really saying there is, I saw Schweinsteiger, your hero, your football gut, because he's a crook. And some, some, some people don't like it here. You remember what uh, Jack Charlton supposedly says to, uh, said, uh, said about Liam Brady? Remember in the Paul Rowan book? The Irish, they don't give up their heroes easy. Mm. Right? And when he was talking about how You've Liam show Brady... He had, to, like, he had to basically sacrifice Liam Brady on an on a altar that everybody could see 
and then like present his you know the mangled body of his career to the to the Ireland fans because they just wouldn't take they just wouldn't accept that their hero didn't have the legs anymore. Guardiola, it seems to me, he's doing a bit of this. The Bavarians don't give up their heroes easy either, <laughs> and uh, he's basically saying, you know, Schweini just wasn't in good condition. Schweinsteiger himself has says um, has said. Uh, I feel very good. I had a thing uh, with my knee after the World Cup, which is intensified a break in October. From that time on, no injury. I was fit and felt fit at the end. When you're getting older, you need a bit more time for recovering me, but maybe half a day more than 20 year old players. That's completely normal, but I have a lot of experience at big, big matches, and that's an advantage always. So, yeah, not, not kind of. I think it's a terrible thing for Guardiola to say. You can't say that about football. It's like when, um, was it Allardyce got really angry with Trapattoni? Stephen Reid. Remember how angry Stephen Reid got? Trapattoni basically suggested, oh, he's a crock, you know, his knee's gone. It wasn't gone. Not yet. He still had a few They're years a goofy, to go. Good few years from that point, yeah. So, um, I can't imagine Schwarzenegger so happy with that, but, and, but I think it's bad, particularly because it seems to me like Guardiola covering, covering the arse of Guardiola there, which yeah. is never a good thing. That's it for today's edition of Kennedy's Report on Sport. That's one of those things. It's one of those things. Duffman can never die. Only the actors who play him. about me being the MVP of this league I think he just said right there Oh yeah He's got more of a tandem Miguel Delaney is with us now Miguel Good to chat to you ahead of the new season one which uh, well it's interesting for Chelsea and Arsenal at this point obviously Jose Mourinho is keen to stress how little the Community Shield actually matters which is, is fair enough but given that it was Wenger's first victory over him is there an argument that actually it actually could matter? Um, well I suppose the the big thing in that is, is that we've heard the word so much over the past few years, it can remove that, that psychological barrier. And I mean, for all the kind of cliche, I think it can have an effect because, I mean, how many times have we seen Arsenal in those games over the past few years against Chelsea? They start off well, then Chelsea kind of hit them on the break or get one. And then because Arsenal have seen it so often before, um, you know, they, they, you can actually, you can visibly see them lose that, uh, that kind of urge or will that they had and the kind of game, the game falls to the usual patterns. Um, so in that sense, it could have an effect. Uh, in saying that, that um, Mourinho, although I think he, he obviously clearly relishes his superiority over Wenger, despite what he says publicly, you do wonder as well, he, he genuinely didn't seem too bothered about this, and you kind of see it on the line when he was kind of bored. And you do wonder whether like the issue when they finally lost the home game at Stamford Bridge in the league, whether it's one of those records that kind of it builds up a pressure of its own and it's better to just lose it in a, le- in a game like that r- rather than a, a, a properly competitive game. So they're kind of released from it in that sense. Um, so but, you're saying uh, Chelsea are the ones who are, who are released rather than Arsenal who, who I, like, I, we can't, I, I, we've no, never I, beaten I these guys. Releases Arsenal, but I, you know, we, we've often seen that with those records. It was the same with Ferguson for years in Europe. It got to the point where you know, the United never lost a home game at Old Trafford in Europe. And so became, all their home games became almost constrained, nervous affairs because the record itself became quite big. I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening here, but, but I think like the psychological aspects of that 
are quite interesting. Well, the one thing that I that sort of strikes me looking back on that game now is just how bad Chelsea actually were. I mean, I know Mourinho afterwards. He said he said all these things about how, oh, you know, um, I mean, every, Mourinho is is actually brilliant the way he can think of the most irritating angle <laughs> to co- like. I mean, it's it's an amazing instinct that he's got. I don't know if he's if he sought it out in advance, but you know after that game it, it was immediately oh you know Arsenal basically did played like a Chelsea, uh, they abandoned they betrayed their principles they abandoned Arsene Wenger's philosophy they came out they played the kind of football personally I like to see but you're always complaining about, um, and uh, Chelsea were the best team and the best team lost but actually Chelsea weren't the best team Chelsea did nothing in the game I can barely remember a chance they had it was a really stodgy, uh, really inept performance by the champions they they looked like a team that didn't really have a whole lot going on well, they were yeah they were very laboured uh, Terry did mix on afterwards which talked about kind of how they, they just they feel a little bit undercooked and it's about kind of getting them up to speed um, I, I don't know I think that's kind of neither here nor there I mean it was the same last season Arsenal beat City 3-0 um, City City looked dreadful to be fair City weren't great City the season exactly, either. Yeah. but I, I think the, the bigger issue isn't almost I think the performance like that is, is something that will come it's still just the chart of the community shield I think the bigger issue with Chelsea is, and it's something that follows over from last season, is why they haven't signed another attacking option behind the strikers, and, and maybe even another striker rather than, Fal- rather than Falcao, given he still looks as if he's any return to form isn't likely anytime soon. But it, it, it happened so much last season. If a team managed to kind of counter Hazard a bit, Chelsea had kind of they didn't have much going on, and it got to the stage they didn't get to the first, if they didn't get the first goal, they looked like they did on Sunday, which is kind of having a bit of play, but not really making things happen. And you, and you do wonder whether that, I think it'll, it'll especially cost them the Champions League. I can't see them winning that if they, if they don't sign someone like Griezmann, just to give that alternative option. Um, but in the league, it might th- make things a little bit more difficult for them, because they, they do lack that kind of that spark. Yeah, for all this talk about loyalty to the current squad, you've got to think that Mourinho would see those deficiencies in the team and would understand more than anyone else that even after winning the league maybe especially after winning the league you have to buy quite well the, the summer that follows how far away at any point is Jose Mourinho from a bust up with his <laughs> boss well I mean there was a few hints of it even over the like over the past few weeks even on Friday when the check thing was discussed again I mean you do get the sense that he, he, he initially even if even if he says he came round to the idea of understanding check position he initially wasn't into that at all he wanted to bury check at sea yeah, but, or send them off. Send them off to some league where it's not going to Im- impact Chelsea in the slightest. Yeah, well, which is metaphorically the case. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, as as regards a complete bust up. I, I'm not sure. Give me a number. I, I how many? A week said, away? A month away? When is it going to happen? <laughs> well, I think we're, we're probably going to see what we've seen the, the past few while. Is just this series of um, almost kind of. He's been kind of deta- grouchy in that kind of detached way, as if he's kind of not too bothered by it all. This, but is, yeah. this is a weird thing about it, Miguel. It's just, it's just weird. I mean, Jose Mourinho is now the kind of alpha dog of all the Premier League mm. managers, right? It was Alex Ferguson for a very long time. Well, you know, he, he, he is the Ferguson, of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, but he's, he's a different kind of alpha dog. I mean, I don't remember Ferguson ever doing this. I mean, the week before the season starts, he insults uh, three of his main rivals for no apparent reason. Uh, he he says Rafa Benitez's wife should get back in the kitchen. You know, he says he calls another guy fat. You know, or essentially he calls Benitez fat. I, I don't remember this type of behavior. I mean, he 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 once called that referee fat, 
but the referee just given a penalty against him. And, you know, didn't he say, he said Brian Kidd was treacherous or something like this. Yeah. But always it, it was in response to something that had happened. Uh, it was never like just this kind of, here I am flicking my towel at people in the in the yeah. dressing room before the thing starts. Like no one's even done anything. Mourinho's already kind of prowling around, flicking his towel against people, and kind of it's a, he doesn't give a great impression of of mental stability when he does this. Well, I, I, to be fair, like you're right. In Ferguson, I think did have a few goals at others, but it was always in a football context. Remember, like after Ronaldo went in two thousand nine, he gave a big interview when they were away in Asia, and he you know you know talk he talked about Chelsea's age. He talked about. Benitez, says, but, but did it in a football context. Whereas right, Mourinho has this kind of, and it is quite odd the way Mourinho has got away with some pretty kind of, uh, you know, questionable comments, particularly in relation to Benitez and that over the past um, over the past few weeks. But I think all of this feeds into basically how Mourinho wins league. Even this whole issue of how he's trying to needle managers and provoke them and kind of just knock them slightly off. This this is. All, what he's always doing, and I think it touches on something that myself and Ken were, t- were talking about off air, but it's it's one reason why I actually still think Mourinho will win the title this season, even if it's if this kind of um, chemistry is unsustainable in the long term, because he has this kind of inherent competitiveness that basically none of the other managers have, apart from Van Gaal, but Van Gaal is kind of, he's in a different way. I mean, if you... Pellegrini, you get the sense at City, especially given from what's happened there in the last few years, where they've oscillated between really bad drops and you know some spells of fantastic football, just to remind us there is something there that it's quite a low pressure environment at City. That there isn't these, these same kind of you know characters all, always looking for that edge at Arsenal. Well, while there is a clear sense of evolution, you just have to see the contrast to the way kind of Mourinho and Wenger have dealt with, with players that haven't been performing that well. Mourinho kind of discards them having basically tested them mentally, while Wenger indulges players for a lot longer than might be, certainly a lot longer than Ferguson would have as well. So and that kind of conditions a certain softness. And then while Van Gaal can probably put it up to Mourinho in a, in a competitive level, you almost get the sense he's too idealistic. I mean, the classic example, the way Van Gaal talked about that game last season, the way, you know, had it gone a different way, had we taken our chances, we would have beaten Chelsea and things could have been different. But, I mean, what happened there was exactly what happened in the 2010 final, 2010 Champions League final. I mean, you just saw how Van Gaal played, have all the possession he wants, and picked off a way to beat him. And I think that all of that, I think, is why he'll retain that. I mean, from, from people who kind of work with some of the Chelsea players, I heard that story about how Mourinho conditions this intensity in his team. Basically, obviously the likes of Terry, likes of Drogba last season, he knew them well. But when he has a player he doesn't know, for that first season, he'll push their buttons, he'll drop them when they don't expect it, he'll drop a comment in the media about them when they, when they don't expect it, purely to, to see how they react. And if they react in a good way, in a way that kind of impresses Mourinho, that yeah, this is someone up for the fight, he keeps them around. If they don't, he gets rid. And I think you, you, we've been able to see that with the amount of turnover there's been at Chelsea in the past year, particularly with the sales of the likes of Mata, of De Bruyne, and some of this he referenced in the De Bruyne comments. And while it doesn't mean all those decisions are right, I think it kind of maintains this, it conditions this baseline of ultra-competitors that, that Mourinho's management probably needs, given that beyond his obviously brilliant defensive structure, there's not that much going on in an attacking sense. 
Does that make um, you're you're painting Wenger there somebody who would be ah you know happy enough we win we lose we move on it doesn't really matter uh, I'm not really sure that Wenger uh, is less, uh, uh, less uh, uh, any less competitiveness com- competitive it just seems to manifest itself in different ways you look at Wenger on the really bad days you know the re- when he's lost a big one to Manchester United to Chelsea or to whoever it is mm-hmm. and he looks crushed he looks like a guy who lives to yeah, to win football absolutely. games albeit he hasn't been winning a, a trophies in the last number of years. But it's competitiveness in how you manage the players and I think the decisions you take that. I mean, after those defeats, how often do we see for our Wenger make a really ruthless decision? Well, he made he made a ruthless decision on, on Wojciech Chesney yeah, last no, season I, I, and then, I, I, and then that's, evidently that's the another first, one that, that on It's Ospina. also a slight no-brainer. We haven't yet. So it will be interesting to see how it develops. Whereas with Ferguson, we used to see, the, see this relentlessly. I mean, to take another classic example, it's a goalkeeper. Ferguson basically decided to get rid of Fabian Barthez the night that Ronaldo scored a hat-trick at, uh, for Real Madrid against uh, at Old Trafford in the Champions League. I mean, there was some story about him. He was on a golf course the next day. Someone approached him, oh, great performance for Ronaldo, wasn't it? Yeah, but what about the goalkeeper? And we've seen that repeatedly with Ferguson, particularly after bigger big defeats like that. And we, where are we seeing this from, from Wenger, other than now? And that's not to say that Wenger himself isn't competitiveness, but it's just that his nature, this kind of teaching style of management he has seems to be all about patience and trust. And while that is... Yes, exactly, Miguel. And that's why it's about, it's about unlocking human potential. It's about unleashing the giants within Alex Oxford-Chamberlain, Aaron Ramsey, maybe even Theo Walcott one of these days, you know? Uh, whereas Jose Mourinho would have canned these guys years ago. I mean, Oxford-Chamberlain would have, been, would have been playing for, you know, Liverpool or whatever... Um, Ramsey probably would have made his way to, to Manchester United at this stage. Jose Mourinho just wouldn't be interested in these guys. They're not fighters. He would have, he would have got rid of them. They would have been losers like uh, Kevin De Bruyne, the best player in the Bundesliga last year, or or Juan Mata. Everyone can see what a disaster he's been for Manchester United. You know, weaklings like that. Mourinho has no time for. I, th- I actually honestly think that Wenger is, has um, over. I mean, it's been so many bad years. But he's got a team now which is full of really good players, which is coming together really nicely. They should, in my opinion, be clear second favourites for the for the title this season. They're, I mean, I see them as Chelsea's by far the biggest threat to Chelsea. Um, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. The one thing with Arsenal first, though, they've got to take a challenge beyond April, which they haven't done in since two thousand four. And I think then, then we'll start then we'll start to re- really see the evolution. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right; they've evolved. I think Wenger has defied a lot of people. But I still think they, they might be lacking something. And, and, and the striking issue, I mean, the dynamic up front is a big one. Would you yeah. go along with, uh, with Roy Keane then? That there's, there's, there's a kind of, um, I mean, he, he suggested, I don't know how serious he was when he was talking about this, but, you know, yeah. selfies, uh, But you can imagine packs. with a smile, with like half smiles. Yeah, but, well. you know, he's, he's getting at something that, you know, this is a bunch of, you know, vain, young, idiotic, you know, silly young bimbos playing for Arsenal who don't really have what it takes to beat a team full of, um, you know, psychopaths like Chelsea. <laughs> but you, can, you see, I suppose it was kind of typical Keane. There's the kernel of a, of a, you know, good point in there, but he's kind of it's all covered and all his his irritations with the modern game that some of them probably aren't all that relevant. I mean, you know, the, 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 the selfie thing is it's kind of neither here nor there, really. But but I think there is there is an element in that kind of just hard bitten, you know, these kind of battle hardened players that want, because and it's got to come down to those moments of the season and it's been an issue with City and it has been an issue with Arsenal as well that 
when they're playing well, which Arsenal are at the moment, everything looks brilliant. They look like they're gliding. It was the exact same in the, 20, in, in the, in the calendar year of 2013. I mean, how often do we hear that Arsenal are the best team that calendar year, which means nothing in the end? Because it's about then, when the performance drops, you've got to have those players that have that inherent resilience to just to, to still do what you do. And Chelsea have that. And we have yet to see that from Arsenal, especially because, and from, from, from everyone that's worked with, with Wenger on a training ground, the, the, the whole, his whole modus operandi is build, building a team up to this sense where they are gliding on form almost. So just this extreme confidence in what they do. That was the key to the Invincible season. But the, and there isn't the same ability to arrest a drop. And, and it's been put forward as one re- by people who've worked around the club as one reason why Wenger's never attained a title. And it's handling that drop, I think, is the big thing in winning a title as well. Just, winning a title this season, especially against a side like Chelsea. Just uh, one other thing, Miguel, is, uh, I was reading yesterday uh, Paul Kimmage talking about... Um, uh, he was listening to like the last word, uh, Hugh Linton standing in for Matt Cooper, talking to Tony Cascarino and Tom English about the charity. Paul Kimmage still calls it the Charity Shield. <laughs> uh, the Charity oh, no, the charity Shield or whatever they call it now and the return of the football season. Now, Arsene Wenger apparently is not happy with Jose Mourinho. Brendan Rodgers apparently is not happy with Mario Balotelli. But Liverpool might finish top four. Arsenal could do well. Chelsea will definitely get more of a run for it. And So he's, uh, seriously, gentlemen, is this all we have to look forward to for the next nine months? Last year's waffle, the same old shite. I mean, what do you think? I, how do you... I, I assume you don't agree with Paul Kimmins, Miguel, but how do you uh, stop yourself being overpowered by the staleness of everything? I mean, do you... you do, maybe, maybe you do agree with him. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I agree with him. I mean, even some of the kind of Wenger and Mourinho stuff over the past few weeks, it's like, it's just so tiresome. And Mourinho can tell for me... To, Mourinho's worth it when he comes up with a genuine line. that actually, And it does happen every so often. You kind of sit there and you kind of open your eyes. Think what, what this actually is interesting, um, but but there is there is a certain amount to kind of it does feel as if some of this circus is manufactured, um, and ultimately it, it should it should be a side issue. Although I think one of the bigger da- I think there's a real danger to the Premier League this season is that we could be returning to to the uh, kind of fixed nature that we had. Between 2004 and 2009, I did a piece in this uh, last night, but between 2009 and 2015, given the financial circumstances, I think the Premier League was basically as diverse as it could have hoped. It had three different champions, none of those champions retained the title, and the top four didn't stay the same for, for successive seasons at any point. So the top four was different every, every year. Whereas in 2009, only two teams, were, from, sorry, from 2004 to 2009, only two teams won the title, both of them retained it, both of them won in blocks. And for four years, we had the exact same top four. You know, it was that big four era. And I do worry that we could be returning to that. First of all, especially if Chelsea retain it for the first time in six years. And secondly, it is hard to see, even as good as Liverpool's business has been, I think, it hasn't re- has it really lifted the side to the level of these teams that are ultimately much wealthier? Probably not. Meanwhile, Tottenham have almost faded away in this pretty drab situation. So it's almost like the, the league is going to need these you know, superficial uh, fireworks or you know, these, these, these superficial stories to kind of propel and element the drama. Because uh, it's been one, my one fear about the season that we could be returning to that kind of that fixity that we had before. All right, Miguel, uh, hopefully not, but we're looking forward to it anyway. Listen, thanks a million. Cheers, lads. You seem pretty keen on Arsenal, Ken. Well, I have, this happens to me all the time. I mean, <laughs> if, if, you, if you go back to this time last year, I was saying the same thing. Mm. And did, did well, you weren't out. far off. They, 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 well, you were. 
But I, I mean, was. I was miles off. They they came it came together in the second half of the season once they were already out of contention. Yeah, that's... it was like oh you know we can win a few games. But I honestly think that Chelsea have at the at the squad the Chelsea squad at the moment looks fragile to me. The first team looks really good. What happens if Diego Costa is injured, as he often is? What happens if Fabregas gets tired the way he will in October or November? Matic, who plays every game, who do they have to come in? You know, Loftus Cheek. This is what Arsenal have to me a deeper squad. Lots of they don't have the proven hardened winners that Chelsea have, but they've got players with huge potential, huge ability. I think maybe it's starting to come together. For such an ultra-modern manager, Jose Mourinho did go down quite a traditional route last year in sticking with his 13 to 14 guys mm. for like most of the season. By the end, they were they were uh, looking pretty uh, and, he has, and he hasn't bought anyone or hasn't bought much. Not yet. So he's, he's moaning. He started to have a little bit of a moan about that. Now, they've still got plenty of time. John Stones comes in, but I don't know if John Stones is necessarily going to be going to affect the first team. He does affect it if, you know, John Terry's 35. That's a, that's a problem. He, he's going to get injured at some point. You know, how can he continue to play every game? Mm. Um, they do need that, but, I, you know, they need someone to, to cover for Costa as well. Is Remy the man? Is Falcao the man? They also have injury, you know, problems. So, I don't know. It's it's. What did you make of the point that Miguel makes that Jose Mourinho's got a different level of competitiveness and that that is enough to carry a maybe less deep squad over the line against the likes of Wenger. I think that that's at least as destructive a trait as it is a constructive one. Like, I mean, maybe he does get the... He, he is good at getting teams to the right pitch for a big game. Although it didn't really happen for them against PSG last season, did it? But he can, he is usually good at, at that. Like, his teams don't often lose big games. We know that. They're difficult to beat in those kinds of games. But, um, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're like, oh, I'm going to push the buttons of one matter here. Oh, one matter. You know, we, we better get rid of that guy. No, I don't think they should have got rid of him. He's a good player. He, could, he would this be a useful of, player you know, in their squad. Constantly uh, testing the players to, you know, see which one of them is up for the fight. On the other hand, you you could just be a human being to all of them, yeah, and then make a decision like the, this idea that okay, so I'll insult this player in public, and if he reacts in the right way, I'll know that he's a good player. I think he does that with the ones. What's the right way to react, though? I think he does that to the ones that he already knows. It's almost a last ditch psychological ploy from Mourinho. He's does he's never done that to John Terry or Frank Lampard or any of these guys. No, he hasn't. Um... He didn't come back in and say, well, I don't know if John Terry's up to it anymore. No, you know, he might he, be past it. He's always, he, he's always he sucking up to John Terry, Terry, actually, yeah. isn't he? And, and Lampard was, was the same. So he does tailor it a little bit. I, I mean, I don't know. When he was manager of Chelsea the last time, he ended up getting like players like Damien Duff left, Arian Robin, you know, I think Robin, I think he sold Robin, actually. Robin wasn't there when Mourinho began his last season. But the team had, had kind of forgotten how to score. By that last kind of, they, they ended up scoring you know, 60 odd goals. If that happens again this season, they're not going to win the title. So there's every chance of it happening. All right, we have another Irish Times second captain's podcast on the way for you today. Andy Lee is in full Don King promotion mode at the moment for his world title defence in Tom Park against Billy Joe Saunders. He talked to us about very interesting stuff on visualisation in boxing and his own mental preparation for the fight. A little bit about Katie Taylor being added to the undercard and Saunders's views on the role of women in society which you probably saw a clip of about a week or two ago we talked to Andy about that he was in thoughtful form as ever so have a listen if you can do rate us on iTunes comment on the podcast if you get a chance to do that give us a follow on Twitter at Second Captains in the meantime thanks very much for listening to this thank you Ken
Thank you, Owen. And Thanks, thank, thank you, Kieran, as well. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks guys. Thanks for listening. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 